everyone, and welcome to the Learner's Court Podcast. This is the podcast for lifelong learners where we learn from anything and everything. My name is Caleb Mason. My name is not Caleb Mason. It's Todd Ball, a.k.a. The Todd Father. And we have a great episode for you today. Today, we are talking with Jeremy Cower. Woo! Who's you know that? Who? What? I was just going to ask you, do you know who that is, Todd? That's why I asked you. Well, Jeremy, here, here's a little bit about Jeremy. Jeremy is a professional photographer whose focus on composition, color, and light makes every image a work of art. He is a respected artisan, artistic voice in the industry. Jeremy has photographed numerous celebrities in the music and te- entertainment world. You want to hear? You want to hear some of them? Yeah, please. Sting, the Kardashians, <gasps> President Obama, what? the Pope, many more. He also spends his time on social art, developing and working on projects that have community impact. He's the founder of Help Portrait, a worldwide movement of photographers using their time, equipment, and expertise to give back to those less fortunate. As his list of clients continues to grow, so does Jeremy's desire to improve on his craft and give back to those around him. Also, he's launching the Purpose Hotel as a for-profit hotel chain designed to fuel the work of not-for-profit organizations. So that's who that is. And I'm not even done yet. He's also the author of a book called I'm Possible, Jumping Into Fear, Discovering a Life of Purpose, which comes out today. And Ooh. all I got to say, Todd, this is such a fun conversation. It literally, like, we go everywhere in this conversation. Yeah, this conversation wandered. Yeah, we talk with him about all that stuff. We talk with him about his creative process. We talk with him about what he does to break through whenever he's not feeling creative. Yeah, as and he well. was really vulnerable. Definitely. Really vulnerable. And first of all, thanks, Jeremy, for talking with us. Yeah, dude. Second of all, appreciate it. Thanks for Sam Massey for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Sam, you're so awesome. Sam created our music for this podcast. Woo! And if you want any help with any musical needs that you may have, whether it be for a video that you're creating or a commercial or radio, or if you have your own podcast, reach out to Sam and he can help hook you up with that as well. And you can find all of his info in the show notes do it now before is it time it is time dun 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 for the learner's corner recommended resource of the week let's do it Caleb what is it this week and I thought I would stick on theme a little Please. bit and Please we talked with Jeremy about his story and so I figured I would recommend a book that I've read recently that um, I talked about in the March uh, what we learned in our March episode and recommend another phenomenal story oh as well what is it it's from scott harrison and it's his oh book, yeah you've been talking about this first yep it is so good it's a story of redemption compassion and a mission to bring clean water to the world scott's the founder and ceo of charity water and we gotta get scott on the podcast what are we doing <laughs> yeah if you can help us get scott on the podcast please let us know i'm just gonna get my my assistant on it anyway caleb if you want to hear some of my takeaways from this episode Go back to our What We Learned in March episode, and you will get to hear those. Boom. Now, as we mentioned, we have a phenomenal guest on today, and he's going to share his story with us as well as really just a lot of other things that he's learning and currently grow and how he's currently growing as well. So here is our conversation with Jeremy Cowart. Let's do it. Well, Jeremy, we're so excited to have you on the Learner's Corner podcast today. Thank you. Appreciate y'all having me. Yeah, we're super excited to talk with you about um, your new book. It's called I'm Possible, and it's based on the same title as a viral video that you had several years ago, um, which kind of went by the same name. And we'll make sure to link to the video in the show notes in case everybody uh, hasn't seen it. 
but could you just tell us briefly about where the title Unpossible came from? And that might be a good place to start. Yeah, um, it really came from just my childhood. I, I didn't think I could do much. I wasn't excelling in school. I kind of thought I was stupid. And and uh, my dad would always uh, encourage me with Philippians 4.13. Uh, you can do anything through Christ who strengthens you. And so that kind of became my anthem as a kid. And, um, you know, my adulthood has been really overcoming those words I can't and proving that, uh, you know, anything is indeed possible. And so a few years ago, my friend Johnny Cuff asked me to speak at his conference. And I was like, man, I'm not really a speaker. Uh, it's like, but I could draw a talk uh, in a video. And so I made this talk for John's conference and it just kind of blew up from there. And uh, then it became a book. Yeah. So that's the very short version of it. Yeah. What helped you move from that mindset of believing, you know, I really can't do anything to the, you know, anything is possible? Yeah. I mean, it was obviously a long series of events, um, probably from really my the age of 22, graduating from college. And then, you know, even through my 30s, because in college, I am... Um, you know, I, I nearly failed my only photography class. I got fired from my first job uh, out of college. And so um, and told, was told I essentially wasn't creative enough for the gig. And so there was definitely still a lot of kind of pushback um, against myself. Um, but then I, you know, I, ke I kept my head down and kept going and kept learning and growing and just started achieving things. And then when I was 24 decided to go out on my own and start my own design company. And from that point on, I kind of started achieving stuff. And obviously, the more you achieve, the more your confidence builds. And, and uh, you know, then my career blew up as a, as a, as a photographer um, over the next 10 years. And but then ultimately, I realized, like, you know, success doesn't really matter. So what does matter? And that led me down the path of, a lot of humanitarian work and other projects around the world. So what's the mindset that you have? I mean, you talked about how you were fired the first job out of college. Um, you, you just had different things where there was failure. And yet you have this verse playing in the back of your mind that your dad told you when you were a kid. What's your mindset? Is it was it a man this you know, these things keep happening or 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 was it more of a you know, I know that this happened, but. I know this is true about who I am. Like, what was your mindset? Yeah, um, yeah. I'm sorry. You said my mindset as a kid or as an adult? Just as an adult, whenever, you know, you, you talked about how you were in college and, and you failed a photography class. And then you your first job out of college, um, you know, you, you said you got fired from what I'm just curious as to, to your mindset, because at the same time, you have this verse playing in the back of your mind. Yeah, I think my mind, I mean, my mindset for one has always been super, super laid back and kind of anything goes. Um, I'm pretty quiet and uh, reserved. And so I don't know, I'm always laid back, but I kind of would surprise myself. Like out of college, I thought I would work for ad agencies till I was 40 and start freelancing at the age of literally 40. And then that only took me two years to overcome that, you know thinking um because i was freelancing by the age of 24 and so yeah i was always surprising myself for sure um 
and over overcoming my expectations for myself. And so, and, but I've always had a very uh, free mindset of like, well, what's the worst that can happen? Let's just go for it. And so that's why the subtitle for the book is called jumping into fear. Cause I just kind of like that idea of like, you know, not worrying about the what if happens, but just going for it. And so even in real life, physically, I've always loved like jumping off of cliffs into water or bridges into water or walking in, being the first to walk in a haunted house. Like I love the idea of what's ahead and the unknown. Um, and so, yeah, I'm always kind of drawn to those scenarios, both in uh, funny real life scenarios and in business. Now, how how did you so you talk about how you have this this kind of this mindset of maybe being fearless or and walking into fear, as you said, was the subtitle of the book. Was there anything specific that you did um, that helped you to, to to develop this this attitude towards new and bigger things? Or was it just, hey, this is an accumulation of a bunch of things that I've already gone through and and I've gotten to this point where I know that on the other side of things, even though if it's scary at first, that things are gonna work out in some way. Like what how did you do that? Man, I, I don't know. I don't. There's. I can't say how I did it. I just kind of. I don't know. I just. Again, I, it was always my instincts to just jump and try things, and um, maybe that's a little bit of rebellion against the norm. Like I, I'm a four on the enneagram, <laughs> which means my. Uh, it wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't say the word enneagram, right? Um, of course, of course not. <laughs> uh, but my, my number one need has always been to be different. Like, I, just, I don't know why. I don't need to be better than other people, but I need to be different than. Uh, so maybe that's the artist to me. And so I think a lot of times the need to be different than also requires trying new things, different things, weird things. And so I'm just super curious. You know, I'm just super curious to see what's out there and explore new territory. How do you, this? How, no, go ahead, Caleb. How do you how do you see that you know desire to want to be different? How does that play out in your life? Well, uh, I mean, I mean, it's you know could be the way I dress. I live in a very kind of you know uh, affluent corporate type of uh, county, and everyone, all the dads around here, are, you know, wearing khaki pants and button up shirts, and I'm typically dress like your typical artist, you know, so it could be the way I express myself that way. Um, you know, work in an old factory, the building I work in is a rundown factory, but I love it. Um, what I'm doing career wise, I don't know of anyone else in the world doing what I'm doing in terms of being an artist and trying to build a global hotel chain from scratch. You know, I can't, I can't think of any too many other artists, uh, trying, uh, attempting that. And so, yeah, I, I always am drawn to just crazy, uh, bold, audacious uh, things, um, and that's kind of how I've always expressed myself. So you, you've mentioned a couple of times about the hotel chain, and for people who may not be super familiar with it, can you go into a little bit about kind of what you're doing with that? Yeah, um, 2012, I was in Los Angeles for a photo shoot, and uh I was just minding my own business, going through a hotel uh, for a meeting. And as I walked through the hotel, I had an idea for a new hotel that could be much, much better than any hotel I'd ever been to. Um, and that idea was that everything in the building could be connected to a cause or a nonprofit. 
so that by staying in this hotel, you'd be essentially changing the world in your sleep. You know, just by choosing this hotel brand, you'd be helping uh, people all over the world through the soaps, the linens, the towels, the furniture, the artwork, the internet fee fighting human trafficking. Um, you know, there's just a lot of ways that a hotel could help change the world around us. And so that was the foundation of the idea that I then sat in fear of for three years. Typically, I'd jump right into my ideas, but this one was so big. I mean, how does a, a self-employed freelance artist go build a multi-hundred million dollar, you know, chain of hotels? And so, um, yeah, I let that freeze me for a few years. And But then in 2015, we started, a, we being my myself and my business partner, started a taking steps towards it and uh, we're still taking steps towards it literally every day. It's a long, long, long journey as you might imagine, but um, it's happening and, and uh, we're doing it. So it's super exciting. Yeah. What, what have you learned through, um, through pursuing this endeavor of the hotels? What have you learned about yourself or even just about business? Oh gosh, so much. I mean, it's already been a seven year journey nearly. Um, I mean, patience. I'm not a patient person, so I've been forced to learn to to not only be patient, but kind of reinvent myself during the waiting. Because I mean, that's a long time, especially in the the peak and prime of my professional life. You know, um, my mid thir- mid to late thirties and early forties, like it's prime time for anybody's career. And so to have an idea that's going to take that long to really develop um you know i still haven't been paid a dime by this idea yet but i've put um a business partner and i together put thousands of hours into it over the seven years and so um yeah it's insane so i I have to still be really creative in terms of how i uh support myself and figure out ways to make a living um so yeah, it's really stretched me and taught me patience and um, I've learned, of course, just so much about um, the hotel industry, the hotel world, fundraising, pitch decks, financing, you name it, um, which those things are not natural for an artist mind like mine. Uh, so yeah, it's been a, I mean, there there's no end to the amount of information I've learned over over the last few years. Yeah. I I can't even imagine all the stuff that you've gone through. And, you know, um, I would be remiss if I didn't ask this, you know, for for anyone, you know, who would be looking for advice as it concerns creativity, whether it be how to build or maintain creativity, what tips would you give to someone as it concerns um, maybe being more creative? Uh, I just think people have to, uh, you know, just start trying something in the book i talk about how ideas lead to ideas and so if you surrender to fear to that first inkling of an idea you might be surrendering to idea 20 because i've learned that if you have one idea chances are you're going to have a lot more ideas and a lot more creativity within you so the more you surrender and give up the more potential and future uh future creativity that you're shutting down and so i just think you have to really get in there get in the habit of saying yes to to those little whispers of ideas you know um 
And I know that the older you get, the harder that is, uh, especially, you know, I'm a father of four children and I'm married and life is crazy. I have literally sports practices for kids every single night. And, you know, ideas take time and they take money and uh, sometimes it's hard. But um, I believe that you'll always make time for the things you really want to do. And so if people have creative ideas, like you got to you got to figure it out, you know, whether that's. um time-wise or money. Um, there's actually a book that I've been reading lately that people told me to read for 10 years, and I never read it because uh, because I'm dumb and I don't read a lot. Uh, but I finally read it, and it's called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And that book has just changed the game for me because uh, the whole book is about the resistance that keeps us from doing the work we're most meant to do. And um, now every day when I face my own resistance, uh, I just think about that book and I know it's, I mean, it's really, you know, talking about the enemy, the devil and all the different ways that he, he attacks us when we're doing the work we're most meant to do. And so, um, yeah, I would say step one is read that book, the war of art. Um, but, um, I should be saying read my book, but I really, uh, I'm not going to be that guy that <laughs> promotes my book at all costs. Like the war of art has really been crucial in uh, helping me, uh, find and discover my own creativity, even as of recent. How do you continue to grow and keep perspective after you've had as much success as you've had as, just as a photographer and as a creative? Like, how do you continue to keep perspective um, and, and continue to find ways that you can grow? Uh, I think I'm just super curious and super ADD. And I think that's actually a really good combination because I'm always wanting to learn. Um, I'm always curious and I get bored of things quickly. Like right now, I'm actually very bored of photography. And so I'm now also pursuing a, a career in fine art. You know, I'm painting and drawing a lot lately and doing mixed media works on canvas. And, uh, you know, and that's been so fun because I'm like, it's almost like I'm starting over. Like tomorrow, I'm going to uh, just a local class here in nashville where nobody will know you know me or what i do i'll just show up as another student and i'm going to i'm going to learn this random trick you know for to put acrylic paint on canvas and so um i just love learning and um i think that's how you grow is you stretch yourself and you try new things and i've got i've been at a point now for a while where i don't feel like i'm learning anything or growing as a photographer but now that I'm pursuing kind of a related field of fine art, it's it's helping me grow in other ways. And so I just think people really have to stay curious and uh, stretch stretch themselves. Have you gone through other time periods where you've maybe hit this spot as well, whether it was with photography or something else, where um, where you really felt this need to, to be curious and to continue to stretch yourself? Has that been something you've gone through like that before? Yeah, I mean, I've always been um, a bit ADD, and like I spent four years building a social network and learning the app world. I founded a nonprofit. I've, you know, uh, done other book projects before. I've gone on music tours, see what that world is like. I've shot weddings. I've shot families. I've, I've done so much. I've launched an online education university that's still live, and I'm still adding content to. So. Yeah, I would say uh, the the curiosity uh, doesn't ever go away. Uh, last two years though have been a bit of a dry spell, 
I kind of I've been in a funk. Like 2017 and 18 were probably my least productive years um, due to, gosh, really just the world we're living in. Kind of got in a funk with everything going on. Um, but thankfully, I'm out of that now, and I'm focused again. Uh, and uh, yeah, so and I, I've faced some health issues too over the last year that kind of got me. Uh, I think more focused because uh, you know when you have health issues health issues you realize how short life is and it really makes you focus to get things done you want to do sure one of the things that i'm curious about and i think it's one of the 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 projects that i first really when i saw it i sat up in my seat a little bit you did a, a project where you took some very interesting um photos of the of this of scenes after the gatlinburg fires Mm-hmm. So a couple of years ago, there were the, there was this major fire that that kind of swept through uh, the Smoky Mountain region around Gatlinburg, and you did this interesting project where you took these photos. Can you talk to us a little bit about that project and, and how exactly did that come about? Yeah, um, well, I've been doing um, you know humanitarian projects for years, and so I'm always looking for creative ways to help during times of need and. Gallenberg is a city that I've visited a lot as a kid, really as an adult, too. I've been going there my whole life. And so, you know, when that tragedy struck so close, I wanted to do something to help out. And um, I was in church, actually, when I had the idea uh, for drones and a mattress. And I had never used a drone before, um, but I found some guys that own drones and uh, had this idea to shoot people. Uh, I, sh- I got to stop saying shoot people. <laughs> Uh, photograph people uh, from a drone perspective laying on a mattress from 400 feet up um, three to 400 feet up and just thought it could show the both the scale of course but and the emotion because drones don't really show emotion but maybe maybe it could in this context and so I uh, assembled the team and uh, found, you know, found the the people that had lost their homes, and we made a project happen that thankfully went very well, and it was very rewarding. And Time Magazine ended up publishing the the photos, which is good because that brought so much awareness to the people I photographed, who each had a crowdfunding page set up. So, because of the project, we were able to raise a lot more money for the people who had lost their homes. Um, See, so yeah, my goal is always not to look like the cool, helpful photographer that did something, but to actually make a dent in terms of helping those who lost. And so that project is actually a permanent memorial now in Gatlinburg up uh, at the top of Anakista Mountain, uh, which is so cool. I've never had a project be permanently memorialized like that so it was a big honor what did you learn what what was maybe a major takeaway you had just from that experience of of both shooting that i said it too (laughs) of shooting that project or or doing the photography work behind that project what was something that maybe you took away from that experience man just that we should never underestimate the ability to um to help with through the arts to help with our cameras help with our ideas help with our songs or our tools um obviously we'll always need money to rebuild we'll always need hands to rebuild we'll always need uh nonprofits like world vision and red cross and uh all those but we also need new innovative ideas um 
they can really put a big dent in things. And so I would say that was kind of the main, the main lesson for me. So, Jeremy, I want to go back to something that you said a few minutes ago. You talked about, you know, in 2017 and 2018 kind of being in a little bit of a funk and how, uh, and how your health issues kind of clarified, you know, was Moses born or helped, helped you through that? Was there anything else that really helped you move, move through that, through, move through that funk? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, my faith and just talking to guys and, going to church and and I've got I've got a great group of men around me and uh, my wife's incredible at encouraging me and got a really strong community here in Nashville that I'm so grateful for um but then yeah I don't know just kind of also just realizing like wow this has been a insanely unproductive two years and I need to I need to snap out of it you know um and so, yeah, I've, I've kind of fallen in love with fine art, and uh, it's been a good thing for me to stay busy with during this long, long hotel journey. With the with the fine art thing, you keep you keep bringing that back up. What's what's your big what's your is this just like you talk about curiosity? Is this just you being curious? Where hey, I'm going to play around with this and see what what can come of it, or do you have a plan for what you want to do? I'm just curious as to to your your thought process on these different things. Well, the the fine art, uh, I'm taking dead serious. It's very much a plan. Um, I actually started out as a fine artist before, gosh, before the internet, before social media, before computers, before cameras. I just wanted to be a painter. And so really, fine art was was the original goal. It was, and it's kind of odd to, to look back in hindsight and realize how, how clear my focus was because that that desire never went away in fact it really feels like the graphic design web design and photography were all detours from who i really am as a painter and uh, and an illustrator and so so yeah now that i um have kind of returned home if you will to fun art um yeah i know i'm taking it very seriously working on it every day i'm already talking to um galleries uh around the country and and art brokers and art dealers and art collectors and uh you know, I would love to, I, I told my wife just recently, I would love to, you know, make art and, and build hotels the rest of my life. And that's, that's good. Like, I don't, I don't know that I'll be yearning for much else because uh, now that I'm doing fine art, it feels like home. How have you managed to build some of these networks that, that you've put together? It seems like, um, you know, with the different times that you've, you've talked about doing different things, you, you, you have networks and things built. How would a person who's wanting to start out, whether it's in, in the fine art world or whether it's graphic design or photography, somebody maybe in the more creative realm, how would you suggest they build a, a network or, or, or even begin to build networks? Well, I mean, obviously it hopes it hopes it helps to be in a in a city like Nashville, like New York, like Los Angeles. But you don't have to be, especially these days. I think ten years ago you really did uh, in the early days of the internet. But these days, like, I mean, but it definitely helps. Like, I'm always doing meetings and socializing with people in the same industry. Um, but more importantly than that, I really do. This might be a controversial way of looking at it but like last week this kid walks up to me after i spoke and he said so do i just need to start networking and i'm like well sure network that's fine but i really believe that 
amazing work is the best networking. Like if you're cranking out the hits on Instagram and doing really, really fascinating work, um, people are going to find you. Like one way or another, if you're consistent, if your vision is consistent, if your work is amazing, like to me, that's the best thing you can do is be really good at what you do because that's going to spread quick. There's a lot of there's a lot of bad art out there, as we all know. And, um, you know, um, I, I mean, I spend so much time browsing Instagram and Pinterest for inspiration. And I love finding new raw talent and I love watching that new raw talent blow up quickly because they're so dang good, you know. Um, so talent is, you know, put those 10,000 hours in as we, we've we all heard by now. I think Malcolm Gladwell said that like, and I, I've, I've watched, gosh, I can think of probably 10 artists much younger than me who in the course of, you know, three to five years have gone from zero to 60 because they're just always, always cranking out new work, um, doing their thing and Again, I, th- I think that's the best way to launch a career is to be really good at what you do. What have you learned about um, while working with fine art that maybe you haven't learned while pursuing another medium of art? Gosh, so much. I mean, it's uh, I'm doing a really difficult process, which is I'm essentially combining digital and analog, which is hard to pull off and make it look good and not cheesy. Um, so I'm, I mean, I'm literally learning every single day about materials and process. I'm calling, you know, the support line for Dick Blick art materials and talking to their product specialist and be like, okay, so what if I try this product? Would that make the sheen glossy or matte? Or, you know, I'm like always having those types of calls and just learning about products. And um, but more bigger than that, it's art is different because I'm having to essentially dig in and ask myself, what do I have to say? Um, it's easy to show up for a client and produce a photo shoot and figure out how to say what they want to say. But it's a whole different conversation to reach deep inside and be like, okay, what am I <laughs> trying to communicate through all this mess, which my art quite literally is a mess. Um, uh, but I want to I want to speak hope and I want to speak uh, positive, you know, true through my art but my art is so weird and dark and abstract by nature that is quite the challenge and so yeah there's a lot of learning from me right now in terms of how to speak my voice through my dark twisted kind of abstract style um how do i how do i yeah how do i speak hope in the midst of darkness <laughs> uh it's really kind of what i'm trying to figure out currently well jeremy just as we're uh, wrapping up, we always have a few questions that we love to ask all of our guests. And the first one is, what's one thing that is helping you either personally or professionally right now? Well, uh, I can't talk about it enough. That book, uh, that book, The Work of Art, is helping me big time professionally. Um, yeah, I'm just going to leave it. Leave that one simple. What advice would you give someone who is eager to learn? Um, gosh, I feel like we just spent 30 minutes covering that question. Um, (laughs) we kind of (laughs) did. Yeah. I'm not sure what else to add. I feel like I just covered that one. Put those 10,000 hours in. (laughs) Well, Jeremy, I know people are going to want to 
pick up your book, I'm Possible, and then also continue to follow you? Where's the best place for them to go to do those things? Yeah, I'm uh, at Jeremy Coward on all the social channels, uh, jeremycoward.com. Uh, and then for the hotel, it's uh, at The Purpose Hotel on all social channels and thepurposehotel.com. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the Learner's Corner today. Okay, Todd. I know, man, one, just such a fun conversation. Well, what was, I don't know why I said one, because there's not a two. Anyway, what'd you take away from our talk with Jeremy? Well, so I fashion myself as a creative in a different way than him. I'm definitely always thinking about content. And what I found refreshing is I I consider Jeremy to be one of the most creative people that I follow for sure on Instagram. Um, And now I've I've gotten to meet him. And, And I mean, he's so creative. And what was good for me to hear was that even people like him struggle at times with motivation and with being able to be creative and I think that's helpful because I think that we all have this idea that these artists and painters and photographers and people who make movies they it's just on all the time you know like it's just, it's easy for them they just yep. they tap into this they tap into this this cosmological yeah. and it almost feels like this magic yeah it's like magic and they just they just go into this thing and they come out with all this stuff and it's just not the truth it, it takes refinement. It takes it takes drafts of things being yeah. made and then thrown away, and and it's a process. And sometimes they don't feel like it, and sometimes it's just not there, and they can't grasp it. It makes me think. Um, well, I mean, that's what he talked about with the resistance. Yeah, with Stephen Pressfield's yeah. book. Yep, and and it, what it really helps me to to be able to to realize and think about is that um, you know, and actually, right before we hit record on this, I said. You know, professionals, professionals push through, amateurs quit. And so many times the truth about this is that, you know, if we want to be professionals, if we want to, if we want to, to be successful, what we do, uh, the word grind gets used too much. And so I'm not going to use it. Instead, I'm going to say we have to, we have to continue on with the press on and we have to do things even when we don't want to do them. Agreed. So if you enjoyed this episode, you're not going to want to miss next week's episode because you know who we're talking with. Nope, who? You haven't told me yet. Well, you should know because you talked with him. We're talking with Erwin McManus. (gasps) Are we even allowed? Well, we already did. So (laughs) there we go. That was a fun episode, too. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Yep. So the best way to make sure you don't miss it is by subscribing to our podcast on whatever podcast player you use. Do it. Also. Don't forget to leave a rating and write a review of the podcast as well if we've brought you any value as well. Or if you just like us, leave a rating. Yeah, I have a great personality. Give us five stars. Anyway, thanks so much for Jeremy for being on the podcast today. And thanks so much for Sam Massey for sponsoring today's podcast. If you want to find any information about how to connect with either of those guys, you can hit up our show notes as well. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Learner's Corner Podcast. My name is Caleb Mason. My name is not Caleb Mason. It is Todd Hicksonball. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing. Deuces, y'all. Deuces, y'all.